The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very happy Tuesday morning to you. This is Squawk Box. Let's get into your headlines this hour. Back the government or face the voters. Downing Street warns MPs a snap election could happen next month if they block a no-deal Brexit today. As Prime Minister Boris Johnson insists again, he'll take the UK out of the EU, come what may. There are no circumstances in which I will ask Brussels to delay. We're leaving on the 31st of October, no ifs or buts. We will not accept any attempt to go back on our promises or scrub that referendum. Beijing says it's filed a complaint against the US at the WTO after the latest round of tariffs takes the value of Chinese goods affected by the trade war to $300 billion. Five people are known to be killed as Hurricane Dorian ravages the Bahamas, whilst more than one million are evacuated as one of the most powerful Atlantic storms on record edges closer to the United States. Saudi Arabia appoints the head of its sovereign wealth fund as the new chairman of Aramco, replacing Energy Minister Khalid Al-Fali ahead of the oil giant's long-awaited IPO. And we are live in Beirut, where Lebanon now preparing to declare a state of economic emergency as the leader of Hezbollah declares a new phase of the situation in the southern border with Israel. I'll be live here all throughout the day and also an interview exclusively with the Prime Minister of Lebanon, Saad Hariri. Hello, everybody. As you can tell from our headlines, enormous amounts going on around the world, from the Middle East to Westminster to trade concerns yet again uh, to where we go forth on the global economy. U.S. markets will be rejoining us uh, today after the well-earned Labor Day bank holiday yesterday. It is a really busy week of economic data, of course. Uh, and as we uh, strip away the levels, uh, uh, the, 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 the levels of uh, market complexity caused by politics, it's also worth reminding ourselves that actually it's the data that matters in many ways to our central bankers out there, not least the Federal Reserve, that is expected to cut rates possibly once or twice more, uh, despite the interventions of some former um, central bankers who have said, look, we should not be bailing out the president. That's something we spoke about a lot last week. Just in terms of the data this week, uh, starting off today, manufacturing PMIs, manufacturing ISM, construction data today. As far as uh, Wednesday is concerned, the Beige Book and Light Vehicle Sales out of the United States. Thursday sees the ADP employment report and a whole host of other data, including productivity and unit labor costs. And Friday, huge piece of data, of course, the employment numbers are expected as well. Let's have a look at the dollar crosses and see where they are currently trading. So the pound, I will start off on the pound because uh, we're going to spend a long time, I'm afraid, over the next few weeks continuing to talk about Brexit. 120.36, uh, Valentin Marinoff will join us in a few moments' time to look at that scenario as well. Trading at its recent lows, of course, that led to the FTSE 100 having a big rally yesterday, 81 points. You know this by now, the inverse relationship between the dollar earners. 109.39 on the euro dollar, uh, the dollar yen trading 106.29 and 7.18 for the dollar yuan. 
Treasuries, let's have a look at the inverted yield curve. And it's not inverted. Well, it is only two and five. But look, uh, 1.52 for the two-year yield. The 10-year yield, 1.5247. Uh, and a mighty 2% for your 30-year paper as well. Now, gold, oil, let's have a look at where we're trading uh, on these. Brent trading 58.67. So uh, a lot lower than the 60-odd handle we saw uh, at the tail end of last week. 54 bucks 91 is where WTI is trading, and gold off its recent highs at 15.24. The futures for the US markets, which as I mentioned were closed yesterday, uh, you can see there uh, a little bit of a decline on the implied open, actually quite a decent decline on the, uh, on the Dow. The futures 145 easier, the S&P down 15, the NASDAQ called down around about 47 points as well. Opening calls for European indices, uh, 7,300, give or take the change for the FTSE, 11,960 on the Zetra DAX, the Cat Current, 54.93, and 21.481 for the FTSE MIB. I've gone through them all verbally, of course, because we must remember we have the podcast, so I can't just say yes. to people, look at the board. No. We no, are multimedia in extremists. Absolutely. How and are a, you and a warm welcome back to Canada. I know. She's looking radiant. Did you have a lovely time? Us. Lovely time. It, almost camping, almost a leaf eligible. You did not camp. Well, was you were in Saint-Tropez, Karen. <laughs> were you... Were you in Saint-Tropez? I, I, yes, exactly. You don't, people don't camp in Saint-Tropez. Well, if you stay on the beach, it's almost like you're camping in Saint-Tropez. <laughs> in some exclusive beach hut. I think it was more like glamping. But uh, <laughs> fascinating. Even though the US wasn't there yesterday, I thought it was a very interesting session. And the fact that we, we actually had a warning out of S&P, which I think people should take a look at, because the conclusions were quite interesting, that S&P feels stimulus, fresh stimulus from the Chinese would be more damaging potentially to the credit rating there than the ongoing trade war. And of course yesterday the performance of markets was a little bit muted, one because the US wasn't playing, two because no real progress on the trade war story. Nothing really new that took us forward in terms of what we might hear from this meeting. But I thought that message on the stimulus was interesting because I know a lot of people are hanging out still on the positive side of the ledger, anticipating that China will come in with some stimulus to drive demand. Nothing's changed, though, in terms of market positioning. We're in this strange situation where you've got fund managers and investors full risk on mode, or on the other side, full risk off and safety trades. And this is the most unusual market environment where you see that type of barbell positioning. So until we get a breakthrough where there is a sense of any trade deal coming, you're not going to see that full risk on get rid of the safe haven positions equally. Uh, those the safe haven positions, you know, what do you make of them at this point when you've got yields going even lower, further into negative territory? Do you see investors holding more of that type of safety trade or going for gold, going for some sort of return on the investment? It's a very strange environment and it feels as though we might be seeing some form of a breakthrough soon because we can't stay in that type of environment where we've been for most of this year. Uh, well, you say going for gold. Gold fell yesterday as well as we got a slightly stronger dollar. But all of this with um, uh, Valentin Marinoff in just a few moments. Let's catch you up on the UK story. Speculation about an early election in the UK is growing. A government official told British media that Prime Minister Boris Johnson will call a snap poll for the 14th of October should Conservative rebels join forces with opposition parties to pass a bill designed to stop a no-deal Brexit. The legislation which will be put forward today forces the Prime Minister to request a Brexit delay until the 31st of January 2020 unless MPs consent to a new deal with the EU or no deal by the 19th of October. 
However, in a statement outside Downing Street, Johnson said he would never ask Brussels for more time. He also urged Conservative rebels to avoid damaging the UK's negotiating position. Sterling is trading lower again this morning, nearing levels not seen in more than two years. Uh, currently, 120 the handle. But the question is whether there could be more downward pressure. Some calls for about 113 by traders. Let's get to Villa Marks for more. Willem, talk us through the various scenarios, whether we're heading back to the polls, whether there's another Brexit delay, a new leader perhaps down on Downing Street, all the same scenarios that we keep on debating. Well, Karen, you know, what we do know today is that at least 12 members of Boris Johnson's Conservative Party have said publicly they would be prepared to, in the parlance of British parliamentary procedure, defy the whip, go against their party's stated desire as the governing party and potentially therefore vote through this legislation that would seek to try and deter Johnson from pursuing a no deal at the end of October. Now, what we heard yesterday from the discipline team, if, if you will, inside the Conservative Party, is that those people that vote against the government on this issue face the prospect not only of being kicked out of the caucus, the Conservative caucus in the parliament, but then later on potentially facing deselection. And as the possibility of a government defeat loomed larger and larger. Last night, Boris Johnson exited Number 10 Downing Street to give a statement essentially warning members of his own party that they would not easily change his intended course of action. I want everybody to know there are no circumstances in which I will ask Brussels to delay. We're leaving on the 31st of October, no ifs or buts. We will not accept any attempt to go back on our promises or scrub that referendum. And armed and fortified with that conviction, I believe we will get a deal at that crucial summit in October, a deal that Parliament will certainly be able to scrutinise. And in the meantime, let's let our negotiators get on with their work without that sword of Damocles over their necks and without an election Without an election, I don't want an election. You don't want an election. Let now, there have been, of course, a huge amount of concern amongst many parliamentary members here in the UK about having that election after Brexit on October 31st. And so what Boris Johnson's office has been saying to British journalists yesterday evening, very soon after he finished speaking, was that October 14th would actually be the date of an election that they would choose. That would be before, and Boris Johnson mentioned it there, the next European Council summit where European leaders, hoping probably not to talk about Brexit for the first time in two years, would be dragged back once more by a British government, either a new one after a fresh election with a new set of demands, or Boris Johnson himself, if he manages to win a majority emboldened to push for changes to that overarching withdrawal agreement that, remember, three times failed to get through the House of Commons behind me. Uh, Willem, you and I are poring over just about everything we can get on this at the moment. And very interesting that I, I found out yesterday that once Parliament is dissolved, actually the, pres the Prime Minister could change that date to after October the 14th if he indeed wanted to. But that aside, what I think is very interesting as well is I was listening to the Brexit Cars podcast, yes, apart from the Scorebox, there are other ones out there from the BBC. And their Brussels reporters, Katia Adler and Adam Fleming, said there are no meaningful conversations going on at all between Brussels and the UK at the moment, despite what the Prime Minister is saying. If that is the case, then this is another feint from the Prime Minister about actually how much progress can be made, isn't it? Well, what his office has said is that twice a week they've sent negotiators back to Brussels between now 
and October 31st to try and refashion some potential changes to the deal. He said last night, quote, progress is being made. But we've heard again and again, including from Michel Barnier, the chief Brexit negotiator, in a uh, opinion piece in a British newspaper over the weekend, that essentially they're willing to listen to concrete alternative proposals when it comes to that once again thorny issue of the Northern Irish backstop. But so far, European leaders saying publicly that they've not seen any concrete proposals. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed for the Yeah, Michelle Barnier meeting the Sunday Telegraph. What, what a combination that was. Right. Anyway, let's move on. And Valentin Marinoff has joined us. He's Managing Director, Head of G10FX Research at Credit Agricole. Valentin, we've travelled a long way south on Stirling, yet there are calls now for a further drop given all the various scenarios we're facing. What are you doing on Brexit? Uh, well, the pound is stuck between uh, a rock and a hard Brexit at the moment. It does feel that no deal Brexit is uh, becoming likelier. Uh, the looming uh, battle between the government, the parliament today, tomorrow, really may ultimately result in uh, a snap election. And if you look at the polls, the pro-Brexit parties uh, do have the lead. I mean, if you just add up the uh, votes that could go for the Tory, for the Brexit party, for the DUP, we could end up having a simple majority in favour of no-deal Brexit. And I think the uh, markets will continue to brace uh, for that, especially and uh, the outlook for the pound not really expected to improve anytime soon. All that said, uh, the fact that we're at 120 uh, certainly has a significance because to me, it also highlights that a lot of negatives are already in the price. And indeed, uh, on the various occasions where hard Brexit or no deal Brexit uh, were the topic uh, uh, for, for the markets, uh, really, the pound did go to 120. Okay, on occasion did slip through 120, but never really lingered. Is the great, this is 3D. This isn't just about Brexit or no Brexit. This is about Corbyn government as well now. It always has been in many ways, in many people's eyes. Tony Blair was asked yesterday at a, 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 a speech, a briefing he gave yesterday, I think it was Carlton Gate, basically would he vote for Labour under um, Jeremy Corbyn? And he, Tony Blair, whatever people think about him over Iraq, couldn't give an answer on this one. So I ask you the question, is the market more worried about Brexit or is the market more worried about a Corbyn government given all their unfunded spending promises? Well, I guess I was a bit metaphorical when I was referring to the rock and the hard Brexit. I guess uh, Jeremy Corbyn's government would be the rock uh, there in the sense that uh, for some clients, indeed, a uh, Prime Minister Corbyn plus a Brexit deal, be it a customs union or whatever, uh, really, that uh, may, be, may be actually even worse than a Prime Minister Johnson and an ordeal uh, Brexit. Again, uh, on my side, it's certainly uh, a lose-lose situation uh, for the pound uh, from the current uh, standpoint. And uh, indeed, uh, uh, whatever comes really in coming days uh, and indeed months, May not, uh, certainly may not improve uh, the sentiment uh, on uh, the currency. All that said, all that said, I wanted to add the significance of 120 here uh, already captures that level, uh, a lot of negatives uh, uh, that may be already in the price. In particular, we've run a lot of simulations really about how a no-deal Brexit, how the disastrous outcome uh, really could impact the economy and that how this will then translate into currency valuation, lower potential growth, capital outflow, indeed uh, departure of productive labor, 
Shiba and so on and so forth. And we didn't get much lower than that. So that we could get an undershoot. You could get an overshoot on the downside, if you wish, where cable really could slip to 115, 110. But over the longer term, I think our best guess would be that 120 is the level where the pound will stabilize in the event of hard uh, uh, Brexit. Presumably a Labour government with a deal, uh, in our view, maybe somewhat more positive, uh, just because no deal Brexit uh, will be avoided. But uh, given the bearish sentiment in the markets with respect uh, to that particular outcome, I wouldn't be surprised if the pound were to linger okay. close to the lows, uh, even uh, under that outcome. But just to pick up on, on Steve's line here, um, if we get an announcement um, that there will be an election in mid-October, that gives markets about a month and a half to think about what happens from here. Yeah. But it does present a pathway which currently doesn't appear to exist. So that does remove at least some near-term doubt about where we go next. What do you think the pound will do through that pathway of a month and a half of uh, debate <coughs> around uh, who will run this country? the polls, etc. Um, will we see the pound move more on Labour doing better in the polls, as Steve yeah. appears to suggest, or will it be around the state of negotiations with Brussels on the backstop and the potential for a plan? Well, I guess, uh, again, depends what your view is. Our, pers our view as a house is that uh, really having Labour uh, in the lead and a deal uh, may actually help stabilise the outlook for the pound. But I have to say the caveat there is there are quite a few investors who would see that as the bigger negative uh, for the currency. So it's safe to assume that uh, the currency will likely remain under some uh, pressure. But again, in all that, uh, really, the mitigating factor is the fact that the markets are short. The currency is already uh, kind of have already priced in quite a lot of negatives. Actually, funnily enough, uh, uh, since August, quite a few people are starting to look for alternative hedges for no deal Brexit or a Labour government, uh, really. And uh, they don't really look farther than the euro in this respect. So, so people are seeing that say sterling vol is sky high at the same time, euro vol is relatively low. The people are trying to diversify a bit. Uh, just given the scenarios ahead. So overall, yes, the pound under pressure, but uh, at the same time, worth highlighting that a lot of negatives are already in the price. Wouldn't be surprised if we break 120 uh, at one point. But again, uh, the historic experience has been that the currency would not linger uh, there for, for an extended period of time. Uh, uh, maybe one final point there, some clients were highlighting the fact that what a uh, election date will give us will be a sense of finality the uh, really if you wish uh, finally we're going to get to a situation where we're going to resolve a process uh, which started in june uh, 2016 and it's going to finally come to an end be it a no deal brexit be it a labor government and brexit deal uh, or whatever have you and then we can move on we can really uh, get on uh, with uh, that and i guess this in itself already will right. remove a lot of uncertainty uh, in the outside. so we can use our big brand again brexit end game finally arrive at the end point. Uh, Valentin, you're staying with us. We'll pick up the conversation in just a moment. The leader of Italy's Five Star avoided telling party members which way to vote ahead of a ballot on a proposed coalition with the centre-left PD. Luigi Di Maio told members, quote, there is no right or wrong vote on the potential partnership which would see Giuseppe Conte stay as Prime Minister. Party members will hold an online ballot today between 9am and 6pm CET. So Carrie Lamb says uh, she would quit uh, and she's very upset about uh, the way things have gone in Hong Kong. Uh, these comments came in a secret recording. Uh, the uh, leader spoke about quitting 
We'll have the latest on that when we come back, even as the protests in Hong Kong roll on. A CNBC signature event. East Tech West, CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Nansha, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam has denied offering her resignation after Reuters published an audio recording where Lam said she would step down if she could. Lam reportedly made the comments to business leaders last week saying, quote, unforgivable havoc had been caused by the introduction of an extradition bill. But responding to the leaked recording, Lam told reporters she has never offered to step down. From the very beginning till now, I have never, I have never tendered a resignation to the central people's government. I have not even contemplated to discuss a resignation with the central people's government. The choice of not resigning is my own choice. Argentina bond prices hit record lows on Monday after the country imposed currency controls amid a growing debt crisis. The peso moved higher against the dollar following the move. Argentina owes creditors around $101 billion. Wow, look at that move, by the way. Is that right? Five-year chart, 584% increase in the value of the dollar versus the peso. Wow. Okay, Argentina owes creditors around $101 billion, but a currency route has raised the risk of Buenos Aires defaulting on its debt. Um, yeah, and the person in charge of the IMF when they agreed this was uh, the latest round of debt? Oh, it was Christine Lagarde, and Christine Lagarde's going to be in charge of the ECB. Mm. What is that, 30, 35, 30 cents in the dollar now, that 100-year uh, paper? What, the one with a, a mouth-watering 7.125% coupon That's when it was issued in June 2017? That bond! Well, look how good it looks now. It looks delicious, yeah. doesn't it? Uh, China has filed a complaint against the US with the WTO after Washington's tariffs on Chinese imports. The US slapped a 15% levy on a range of Chinese goods on Sunday, which Beijing says violates an agreement reached by President Xi and President Trump at the G20 in Osaka. Beijing has in turn applied duties of between 5 to 10% on US imports. The US has 60 days to settle the dispute under WTO rules. Further stimulus from Beijing could be more harmful to China's credit than the immediate impact from U.S. trade tariffs, according to S&P Global. Let's come back to Valentin Marinov, Managing Director, Head of G10FX Research, Credit Agricole. So as the market debates all the options still uh, that China has to use, uh, we still have a situation where there's been no resolution to a trade war that has gone on for more than a year yep. and shows no sign of ending. What happens from here and how does China manage its own finances in the interim? Well, the thing that so the trade conflict will continue 
continue to escalate uh, with the US slapping more tariffs on the remaining uh, uh, Chinese uh, exports. And once they're done with that, really, they could escalate further by hiking those tariffs uh, even further. The Chinese are then expected to retaliate. I guess one key question and coming back uh, to that SMP headline is really the extent to which they could use their currency really now to offset some of the headwinds coming uh, from the uh, trade war. And it does seem that uh, after the UN has uh, broken uh, through uh, really the technologically important seven, uh, seven level. Now uh, we think that more upside in dollar yuan uh, may be uh, likely. Well, we're going to see the Chinese official trading off uh, really uh, the positive growth impact from weaker currency with the concerns about How financial. How could they push the currency though? Because your, some of your calls seem to be far beyond what the market anticipates without well, causing more anger in Washington. Well, we would not exclude potentially dollar yuan hitting 730 or indeed 750 over the very uh, long term. Clearly, uh, the uh, concern uh, that uh, markets will have in that is the extent to which that may trigger a repeat of the uh, sharp capital outflows we had in 2015, 2016 and indeed the deterioration of the balance of payments are on uh, the back of that at a time where the Chinese uh, trade outlook or indeed export revenues are under heavy strain by the uh, US tariffs. Even so, we think that it's a balanced decision, but ultimately it is something that the Chinese officials uh, will uh, continue uh, to be using. In terms of uh, fiscal monetary stimulus, we think that uh, they're very much on track to continue delivering targeted fiscal stimulus with some uh, monetary stimulus, which will continue to offset some of those headwinds uh, as well but uh, obviously the difference from the call we've had before is the addition of the currency component to it so more currency weakness may be needed uh, down uh, the road and ultimately all that should amount to further escalation in the uh, trade conflict should amount to further unwarranted tightening in the global financial conditions because if the UN weakens and that triggers uh, if you wish waves of uh, competitive devaluation uh, across uh, uh, the world uh, really this might could produce more risk to financial stability and uh, ultimately could precipitate the next global recession. Um, just walk us through uh, whether we're being set up here on the dollar. So we got a non-farm payrolls number at the end of the week yep. with the market moving to lower expectations around uh, uh, employment growth in the yep. United States. A and yet um, the dollar appears to be strengthening at the, at the beginning of this week. Are we just being set up here for a, a dollar that falls immediately after we get a weaker non-farm payrolls figure? What's I mean, your expectation? To be honest, purely on the FX side, the dollar is a very tricky currency at the moment just because of its dual nature of a high-yielding safe haven. Uh, and that, that works under both conditions, risk on risk of weaker data. So long as the US data is not weak enough, uh, uh, really the dollar could hold up uh, uh, its ground. I think what is important here really is how quickly the Fed will move in response uh, to the uh, global development, to the uh, domestic uh, development. And as it stands at the moment, uh, the best way I could describe what the Fed is doing is uh, really uh, fairly, uh, uh, it, it is turning more dovish, but it is uncomfortable in doing so. And this much keeps the dollar's rate advantage uh, uh, intact, especially compared to low yielding currencies. And this much keeps the dollar generally supported. My point being that if and even if payrolls were to disappoint on Friday, right, uh, and you want to sell the dollar, what exactly is it you want to buy? Is it the yuan? Well, not really because of the trade war. Is it the euro? Well, not really ahead of the ECB next week. Is it the pound? Not really because of Brexit. So the dollar is by default the least ugly of them all.
Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.